This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to look tonight at verses 14 through 21. The title of this message is The Fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Fullness of the Holy Spirit. The most searching question that this unbelieving world could ask of a Christian is about their personal experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in their own life. My friend, you simply cannot live the Christian life in your own self-effort and in your own discipline and strength. It's impossible. There was a bishop of Durham, England. His name was Hanley Mould. He was used mightily by God across Europe, and he had this to say about the light of God. He said, May he who is the everlasting light and in whom there is no darkness at all so shine in us that the awful darkness may be kept by his presence outside our wills, outside our lives. And may he so shine from us that we may be the blessed vehicles for carrying his transforming radiance even to the inhabitants of the night. God should be working in and through you and me by the power of his Holy Spirit to bring light to a dark world. So, in this passage we're going to look at, Paul describes the powerful, the vital, and effective Christian life, and he is inviting his readers to be filled with the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts, and then he converts, and then he indwells, and then there is the filling of the Holy Spirit for your daily living. So when you become a child of God, what you find is you come under conviction. You begin to realize, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And then you pray and ask Christ to come into your heart, and he indwells you by the Holy Spirit. You get all of the Holy Spirit at one time, at conversion, 100%. Not a little here, a little there. You get all of the Spirit of God. So there's conviction, there's conversion, and then there's the indwelling. That all happens at salvation. But you say, okay, what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? We need to walk in the Spirit. You say, what do you mean? The Bible teaches us that we ought to go on being filled as present tense, and we keep moving forward and walking in the Spirit. That's called the filling of the Spirit. And the terminology, regrettably, confuses a lot of believers. They read that from Paul, and they think, well, this must mean that uh, I have to keep on being filled as if somehow the Holy Spirit leaves me and comes back, leaves me and comes back. No, it's not that way. He is in you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's always there. But he would have us to walk in his fullness. That is a continual being filled with the Holy Spirit. A good example of that is, is a man was on a mission field one time, and he looked across the pasture, and he saw this man pumping a well. And uh, he thought, man, that man sure knows how to work. And then he um, looked over there a little later and saw him still pumping that well. So finally, he just wanted to go over there and meet a man that worked so hard. And he went over there, and the closer he got, he realized that it wasn't a man at all. Someone had cut out some tin, and there was a shape of a man out there. And as he got closer, he could see the shape of a man, 
and they had put a hinge in his side and put an arm so that the arm went back and forth, back and forth like this. You know, it wasn't the man pumping the well. It was the well pumping the man. The water was flowing and moving the man. The man really wasn't doing anything to make the water come. What I'm talking about tonight is exactly that. The Spirit-filled life, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, is not something that you have to work up, and it's not something that you're always doing. It's simply you resting as a child of God in the one who lives in you, letting him have his way with you. That's the fullness of the Spirit of God. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, talking about God's wisdom, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting, look, look at that, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Now, I want us to notice, first of all, number one, the command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You see, this letter to the Ephesians is written to ordinary Christians. I mean, this is not written for a class of professional clergy or missionaries or some class of people that's above anyone else. This is written to ordinary Christians. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not just for a select few. There's nothing special about me at all, or anyone else. We're all one in Christ and dwelt by the same Holy Spirit. It's for all of us. There's a command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that's just not for me. You know, I don't know my Bible well enough. It has nothing to do with it. If you are truly a child of God, it's not how much of the Bible that you know, it's how much of you does God have. And I promise you this, if you'll walk in the Spirit, in the fullness of the Spirit, you'll find yourself enjoying God's Word more, and you'll develop also in what you know of God's Word. But listen, we're all the same in Christ Jesus. The same God lives in you that lives in me. And we're to walk in His fullness. You see, to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is The normal Christian life. It's normal. You say, what's normal? Jesus. Uh, This world thinks everything's relative. And they say, well, how can you say that you're normal? And the way I do things over here, you say it's abnormal. I mean, how do you compare? Look, all of us need to look at the standard. His name's Jesus. He's normal. And everybody on the face of the earth, matter not culture or language, all should bend their knee to the standard who is Jesus Christ. Not me, not you, submitting to one another's standards, but all of us submitting to the standards that are written in the Word of God worldwide. That's the only way to look at that. So, there is the command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and there's two reasons to be filled with the Spirit. And the first one is this, it's to our benefit. You say, I just don't want to. You're crazy if you don't. It's to your benefit to live a life submitted to the Spirit of God. It's our benefit. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 34, that God the Father gave to His Son the Spirit and that without measure. God the Father gave to Jesus the Son the Spirit, and He gave to Him the Spirit without measure. You know what that means? That means God the Father 
gave to you and me the Spirit without any measure at all. In other words, you can't wear God out. You can't deplete Him one iota. All of God is in you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you live a surrendered life to Him, my friend, you'll never drain Him dry. That well will never go dry. It's to our benefit. We have all of Him without measure. It's like taking a teacup and dipping it into the ocean and wondering, I sure hope I don't one day run out here. It can't happen. He's been given to us without measure. It is our birthright as sons and daughters of God. To live a Spirit-filled life is simply to abide in the Holy Spirit who produces His life in and through us. It's not a life of striving and struggling. As someone said to me one day, said, you know what, this teaching I've never heard, but this teaching is, this teaching is, and then they blurted out, liberating. They realize, I'm free. Church is not drudgery. Reading the Bible is not drudgery. Sharing Christ with someone comes easily and naturally. So the command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for our benefit, but most importantly, it's for God's glory. You say, well, the chief aim of man is to bring glory to God. Right. I want to bring glory to God. Well, then deny yourself, take up his cross that you're identified with and move forward in discipleship because that's what he left us to do. And your life will bring glory to God. It's for our glory. You see, the Greek word for glory is doxa, and it has two meanings. It means splendor, magnificence, but the main meaning of doxa, listen, is the outworking of a character, the manifestation of a presence. The glory of God is the shining out of His personality, the shining out of His character, and He's in you. In the New Testament, the glory of God is so often united with the person of Jesus Christ. He is the glory of God, and He is the outshining of the character of God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, who was both God and man. And so, remember, this same Jesus lives in you if you're a Christian and on your way to heaven. But if you're here tonight and you say, well, I've never believed. I'm not a child of God. Well, the Bible says you're going to a place called hell, but you don't have to. Jesus has made provision in such a way that you don't have to go to a place the Bible calls hell. So the command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for our benefit, is for God's glory. You see, in this way, Jesus Christ glorified God. He came down and he made God real to people. He brought God near the people by his presence. C.S. Lewis said this, Christians should be little Christs. You say, well, I don't like the thought of that. Are you saying that we're deity? No, I'm not. I'm saying that you and I are indwelt by deity. We're not deity ourselves. We're indwelt by deity. We are to be conformed to the image of his son. People should see the beauty of Jesus in me and you. That's why you hear me say also, as long as I'm here, this is never going to be a guilt-driven church. That's ungodly. That's carnal. So the command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for our benefit and it's for God's glory. People should see the glory and outshining of the presence of God through your life. Why? Because He gave Himself to us without measure. My friend, God longs for His Son to be conformed in you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, 
just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Someone asked a famous sculpture, how in the world do you take this big block, this rock, and make a beautiful stallion out of it? How do you do this? I mean, they, they just wheel this big rock in, and you take your hammer and chisel, and how do you make such a beautiful stallion out of it? So perfect. He said, well, it's simple. He said, I take my hammer, and I knock everything off that rock that does not look like a stallion. And then I have a stallion. See, when you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, God lovingly, not punishing you, He punished Jesus in your place. What did He do? Jesus died for all of our sins, past, present, future. We're under His grace. Now He chastises His children, which is simply child training. God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, conforms you and shapes you, and sometimes it hurts, and sometimes you might think it's punishment, but it's not. It's simply God chastening, training, molding, encouraging you so that when he's done, he sees Jesus. Second thing is this. Not only is there command for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but there is consequences to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But good news is this. The consequences, my friend, are positive consequences. Look at verse 19. Paul said, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making, look, melody in your heart to the Lord. What does that verse mean? Well, J.H. Jowett commenting on this verse said, listen, these are the spirit-filled utterances of the brethren. Is there anybody that you spend time with that you just talk about the Lord, you leave one another, you come back later on and you just pick up where you left off and you didn't even tend to? It's just overflowing like a fountain. William MacDonald said this about that verse 19. Listen to this. The divine infilling opens the mouth to talk about the things of the Lord and enlarges the heart to share things with others. In other words, it's not that you're trying to think of something to say spiritual. You can't help but think about something to say spiritual because it is not you. It's God in you speaking through you. You see, the Holy Spirit's fullness causes you to be a happy person, not a fakey sort of happiness. You're just happy. A person that it does you good to meet. A person with a deep and radiant contentment in any circumstance. A person who is happy in successes and failures. You say, how do you be happy in failures? Because you've seen so many successes that you know, who do I think I am that there's not going to be failures? I'm just going to keep moving on because I'm going to have both eventualities in life. And so you come to a failure in your life and you think, man, how can I get unhappy and down in the dumps? He's done so much back here for me. Number one, saving me. And so the consequences of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, he brings joy. But not only that, he brings gratefulness. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when a person is walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, remember, you're not getting any more of the Holy Spirit. You get all of Him at the moment of your salvation. The question is, how much of you does He get? And when you say, I want Him to have all there is of me, you are a person that brings joy. You are a person that brings gratefulness. You are a person who is able to do everything without grumbling. A person who deeply knows God's unmerited favor. You understand God's grace. You realize it starts by grace. I walk in grace, it ends with grace. It doesn't ever end, really. It brings gratefulness. Look at verse 21, it brings humility. 
Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. A person who walks in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a person who puts other people first. It's a person who does not draw attention to himself. It's a person that's not easily offended. It is a person who is not uneasy, moody, and controlling. Look at verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. A person who walks in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, there is an urgency about him or her. A person who looks for opportunities to share Jesus. I'm not talking about buttonholing people. I'm not talking about some waitress standing up uh, at a restaurant with five glasses of water on her tray and she's shaking like this right here and, and you got a gospel track up in her nose or a big black Bible and she's saying, yes, sir, and I hope I'm going to heaven. You can't hope, but it says in Ephesians chapter 2, and she's standing there trying to wait. Table. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you're looking for opportunities to share Christ wherever you are in a very natural way. You know when to hold them and you know when to fold them. You don't say anymore. Let the Holy Spirit do His work. But a person that's walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit brings earnestness and urgency. A person who sees time is expiring for lost people to come to Christ. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk. And in the Bible, especially here in Ephesians, when it talks about walk, it's talking about your way of life. It's talking about a walk along in the Spirit. It's the way. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In other words, a person walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a person who is not into legalism. Legalism stifles and kills, and it's ungodly. We're free in Christ Jesus. But there's nothing wrong with the admonition from the Apostle Paul to walk circumspectly. He said, well, what does that mean? Here's the picture. It's like a cat walking down an alley with broken glass everywhere, just tip-toeing around that glass. You say, well, that's, that's living in fear. No, no, that's being wise. You have to live your life and you have to walk through this life being wise with godly wisdom because there are people you literally have to tiptoe past because of the way they are. There are things that... You need to tiptoe through because it will bring you down. So a person who's walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a person who pays careful attention to his behavior. Even your manner of dress and body language matters. A person who asks God for forgiveness quickly. Why? Because you can't walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit with a besetting sin and sin in your life. So those are very positive consequences of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You say, Chris, I'm a Christian. You know, I don't know if I'm that way or not. Well, then, I, I love you, so listen. Ye are yet carnal. That's what the Bible says. You're carnal. You say, what's carnal? Carnal is a person who lives like a lost man, but he is saved. That's carnal. What I'm just described here, the consequences of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual man or woman, boy or girl. You say, Chris, I want this in my life. Well, then give up, let go, and let God. Third thing is the conditions of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. At the moment of our salvation, we receive all of the Holy Spirit. We do not get a little at a time. The bigger question is, how much of us does He have? Here are four simple words which may help us to see what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And the first word is this, longing. I pray that this message 
maybe one person in here, but I pray multiple people. The message put a longing in your heart. I want this in my life. My friend, you have to want it. Luke chapter 1, verse 53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. The question is this, do you long, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You say, ah, maybe later in my life when I get to be a little older. My friend, that's a problem. You and I should be as gladly surrendered to the Holy Spirit as the alcoholic is to the bottle. Just keep going back. See, that's a substitute for the Spirit-filled life. is alcohol. Drugs. You say, but Brother Chris, what if I don't want to? I, I want to experience some things first. Trust me. Everything you want to experience, it's not going to satisfy you. You'll be just like the story of the prodigal son. You'll come back one day, but man, you'll have scars that you'll wonder if you'll ever get over. The wise thing to do, young people, listen, is make your choice right now to say, you know, I'm going to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit right now and forever. I'm just going to choose to do it. We said, well, what if I don't get a date? Fooey on a date. Man, walk with Jesus. Matter of fact, if you don't walk with Jesus, you'll get the wrong husband, wrong wife. Serious. He said, well, how do you say that? Because I'm older than you and I know. No, I'm saying this. Look, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is walking, relying on the very wisdom of God that's in you by the Holy Spirit. And you're able to detect a fraud quickly. Be careful. Be a spiritual woman. Be a spiritual man. Walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Walk circumspectly. There needs to be a longing, but there also needs to be an asking. You know, F.B. Meyer, great godly man, God used in a great way. He got to a point where he realized something's missing in my Christian experience. And he figured it out that it was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He didn't question his salvation. That wasn't the question. What's holding back everything that I read about God in the Christian? What's holding it back in me? And so he finally cried out to God with this prayer. He said, I can't go on living like this. I must have the best. Lord, I am not willing at the moment to give in, but I am willing for you to make me willing. So there's a longing and there's an asking. God will fill us if we ask him to. Now, I know that may go contrary to what some forms of theology would teach. They say, well, you're treating God like a bellhop. You're saying that you can just uh, make God uh, work through you at your whim whenever you feel like it. Luke chapter eleven thirteen says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask Him today. Say, Lord, I'm not willing, but I'm willing for you to make me willing. Or you can say, Lord, I'm willing. That's the smart thing to do, brother. And then there's a surrendering. A longing, this is what I want. I'm just going to ask God. And then a surrendering. Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says, The Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. You see, abiding is obeying. If you're not careful, you'll get into what's called an obedience mode where you're thinking somehow, by my personal obedience, I move the hand of God. No, I know a lot of people who are good at obeying God, but their motive is fleshly. Well, turn it around and say, well, what, what are you asking me to do? Should we not obey God? Absolutely, always obey God. It's scriptural, it's in the Bible. I want you to think this way. 
It's not my obedience. It's my surrender. It's abiding in Him. Because listen, when you're abiding in Him, you are obeying Him. But the emphasis is not on what you do. The emphasis is on Him living through me as I get out of the way. No longer I but Christ. It's what Paul knew. So obeying is a good word and abiding is a good word. But how you think of those words is crucial to your joy in the Christian life. So there's a longing, there's a asking, and there's a surrendering. A life of trust day by day and moment by moment. We are to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Satan will tempt us in this matter of childlike trust. But self on the throne will be our biggest hindrance. Don't blame your problems on Satan. Don't ask me to plead the blood. Our biggest problem is the three musketeers, me, myself, and I. If you go around telling everyone, y'all pray for me, Satan's after me again, what you're thinking is, it's not me, it's Satan. No, it's you wanting to have your way. If you want to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it's never going to happen this side of heaven until you say it's no longer I but Christ. I mean, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. You say, well, Chris, how do you do that? How do you pray a prayer like this? Well, I'm going to read a prayer, and you might want to consider this prayer for you. It's called the selfers prayer. You've heard of the sinner's prayer? Where you pray and ask Christ to come into your heart? This is a prayer for those who are saved. It's called a selfers prayer. I'm going to read it, though. Listen. If you say, Chris, I'm longing for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking. Chris, I'm willing to just simply surrender. I want to live a life of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we all want you to do this. It benefits us. You could pray a prayer like this. Dear Father, I recognize that I cannot live the Christian life in my own strength or out of my own resources, that I have been a selfer and a total failure in and of myself. Because of my inability to live the Christian life, I now give up on my self-sufficiency, and I do hereby commit my life unconditionally into your hands, and I choose to allow Christ to live his life through me. I give up my rights and expectations and give you permission to make me into the kind of person you want me to be as I make an absolute surrender to you. I believe your word that I have been crucified with Christ. I believe I was buried with Christ and have been raised with him to newness of life and am now seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Father, I choose as an act of my will to claim Christ as my life, my power, and my identity. I thank you that my identification with Christ makes me totally acceptable and that my need is met by Christ Jesus. I yield myself totally to the indwelling Christ as an act of obedience. Do with me whatever you choose. I am asking you to make your truth a reality in my experience. Glorify and manifest your Son in my life. I am trusting in you to do what I can't do, quit what I can't quit, and most of all, to be what I can't be. I thank you for renewing my mind and healing damaged emotion as you transform my life and live your life through me. 
I thank you for saving me from sin and from my wicked self and for the victory which is now mine through him in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.